Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Triumph of the City, How Our Greatest Invention Makes Us Richer, Smarter, Greener, Healthier, and Happier by Edward Glazer. What are the keywords that come to mind when you think of cities today? Do you think of words like congestion, traffic, pollution, or high cost of living? What about phrases such as wide gap between the rich and poor, high crime rate, and an explosion of slums? People often feel that living in the city is not as green, healthy, or even as safe as it should be. They think that the stress of urban life is likely to lessen their sense of happiness. Is this really the case? This book breaks down the perceived stereotypes about urban life and developments and proves that cities are the healthiest, wealthiest, and most environmentally friendly places to live. Today, more and more folks are choosing to congregate in cities. For example, in 2011, 243 million Americans crowded together in the 3% part of the country that is urban, 36 million people lived in and around Tokyo, 12 million people resided in central Mumbai, and an additional 5 million people live in the cities of the developing world per month. By 2011, more than half the world's population was urban. This is evident that urban life must have an undeniable appeal to attract that much population in any given city. Furthermore, the signs of urban decline should be taken seriously. In this book, the author uses examples of specific cities to highlight the strengths of city life and also to analyze the problems faced by urban development. Moreover, he discusses the future direction of urban development and provides insightful commentary on many urban issues. The author of this book is Edward Glazer a professor of economics at Harvard University and an advocate of the new urbanism. His work has focused on cities, housing, obesity, crime, innovation, and more from an economist's perspective. Some of his work includes cities, agglomeration, and spatial equilibrium, and rethinking federal housing policy, how to make housing plentiful and affordable. He is also the Rappaport Institute's director for Greater Boston, and a contributing editor to City Journal. In this bookie, we will uncover the best bits of this book in three parts. Part 1, Strengths of Growing Cities. Part 2, Problems Faced by Urban Development. Part 3, How to Build a Better City. Alright, let us start with the first part of this bookie, Strengths of Growing Cities. As previously mentioned, Glazer believes that cities are the healthiest, wealthiest, most environmentally friendly, and conducive places to live. So how did Glazer come to such conclusion? To understand this, we must begin by highlighting the first advantage of any city, their economic strength. In other words, cities bring prosperity to our lives. According to Glazer, cities have higher population densities. They create more opportunities for face-to-face interactions which leads to more collaboration, exchange of ideas, and innovation. Here is an interesting experiment that exemplifies how face-to-face interactions can promote cooperation. 
Two researchers from the University of Michigan conducted an experiment, where they put students together in groups of six and challenged them to play a game in which they could earn money through group cooperation. Before playing the game, some of the groups participated in a 10-minute face-to-face conversation with their members, while other groups participated in a 30-minute electronic interaction with their members. Which set of groups do you think made more money? the ones that communicated in person or those that interacted electronically. The results showed that the groups who conversed face-to-face earned more money because they had better cooperation. This was because members of the other groups who had conversed electronically let their personal interests take priority over the group's success. This finding resonates with many other experiments, and together they show that face-to-face contact promotes more trust, generosity, and cooperation between people. Face-to-face communication allows people to exchange ideas that drive innovation and knowledge creation, thereby facilitating technological development and institutional innovation that results to prosperity within a city. For example, cities such as London in the UK, Bangalore in India, and Tokyo in Japan are highly prosperous. They are the birthplace of many new ideas, and those ideas in turn contribute to the growth of the entire city. India's Mahatma Gandhi once said, the growth of the nation depends not on cities, but on its villages, and that the true India is to be found not in its few cities, but in its 700,000 villages. Reacting to this quote by Gandhi, Edward said, the great man was wrong. India's growth depends almost entirely on its cities. According to the statistics, On average, for each 10% increase in India's urban population, the national output per capita rises by 30%. The city of Bangalore for example is the fifth largest city in India, and its wealth comes not from its industrial capacity but its innovative strength. Bangalore amasses large pools of talent and provides excellent educational platforms for them. As the large pools of talent attract potential employers, The growth of those employers draws in more talent, forming a virtuous cycle of growing companies and talent clustering in the city. Although India is a developing country and has its share of high poverty rate, cities like Bangalore have nurtured and supported its human talent, thus contributing to India's economic growth. In addition to fostering exchange, collaboration, innovation, and also attracting talent and businesses, Cities also offer the tendencies of building large entertainment venues. Large entertainment projects are very costly to launch. Only big cities can afford them because the costs are shared among thousands of city residents and visitors. For instance, big cities such as London, New York, Paris, and Shanghai invest far more in theaters, museums, and parks than small cities, and this investment in public entertainment makes them even more appealing. This appeal driven by the investment in large entertainment projects among other factors become other forces that promote the development of these cities. Now that we've learned about the first strength of modern city that they foster innovation and prosperity by bringing people together to work, play, and create, let's move on to the second advantage of growing cities, which is their social strength, cities offer the poor the opportunity to escape poverty. Slums are often perceived to increase urban poverty rates and signal growing inequality within cities. They are thought to be an indicator of urban decline. However, 
Glazer argues that the slum indicates a city's triumph. The city doesn't make people poor, rather, the city attracts poor people from rural areas and provides them with a place to stay, the slum. Thus, it can be said that urban development alleviates the problem of rural poverty. Glazer also stresses that whether city residents live in poverty or whether ghettos are a strength or weakness for cities shouldn't be determined based on urban affluence, but on rural poverty. For instance, in Rio, its slums may seem shabby to foreigners. However, the percentage of people living in poverty in Rio is far lower than in rural northern Brazil. A study showed that 90% of the people living in Rio earned more than $85 a month in 1996, but only 30% of people living in the rural northeast reached that income level. It is the prospect of a better life in cities that attracts so many impoverished people from rural areas. Compared to the remote regions of Brazil, Rio offers more economic opportunities, public services and fun. In other words, slum residents have access to more opportunities and better services than other residents in the rural areas of Brazil. Nevertheless, Glazer emphasizes that he isn't defending urban poverty, nor is he saying that the phenomenon isn't a terrible one. He acknowledges that urban poverty is awful, but maintains his conviction that cities still provide a path to a better life for the poor. In other words, in Glazer's view, the rural areas cannot save the poor, but the cities can. Now, let's take a look at a the third advantage of any growing city, its environmental strength. Intensive urban spaces are more energy efficient and eco-friendly. It is not uncommon to hear people say that cities are responsible for the destruction of the environment. However, Glazer believes that urban living is way more eco-friendly than suburban living. You are probably wondering how can Glazer come to such a conclusion? Have you always assumed that suburban living would be better for the environment? As the prophet of environmentalism, Henry David Thoreau's experiment showed why the idea of suburban living could be considered as better for the environment. Thoreau believed that cities weren't earth-friendly enough, and therefore, he advocated for a simple and primitive life. His book Walden describes his secluded life and extols the virtues of living off the grid, but Thoreau didn't tell readers the whole story. He did not tell the part of the story where he received help from many of his colleagues in the cities, and because he had spoken to so many wise people, he was able to deliver such captivating writing. He also did not tell his readers that he once carelessly burned down 300 acres of woodland to the ground while starting a campfire for his picnic. According to the Boston Globe, Walden Pond has become overcrowded in recent years due to the presence of Thoreau's many fans in the area. Its natural ecology and landscape are facing a crisis. Glazer claims that humans are an extremely disruptive species to nature. Thus, if we truly love nature, then the best thing we can do for it is not to walk into it, but to stay as far away from it as possible. How then is urban living more beneficial for the environment? People who live in the countryside enjoy basic modern living conditions too. That is to say suburban homes also use household appliances such as electric lights, air conditioners, and so on. Under this premise, cities are indeed more environmentally friendly than the suburbs. 
People tend to live in small housing units in cities, and because of the sizes of these units, electricity demand is often low. In contrast, in the suburbs where houses are large, electricity consumption is significantly higher. Statistically, a typical single-family home consumes 88% more electricity than a typical apartment unit in an apartment building with at least five units, on average, a suburban home consumes 27% more electricity than an urban home. Also, people who live in denser areas travel shorter distances and thus consume less gasoline. Most forms of public transportation are far more energy-efficient and eco-friendly than driving. To be specific, New York City's transit system emits an average of 0.9 pounds of carbon dioxide for transporting a person per trip, which is only one-tenth as much as the 9 pounds of carbon dioxide emitted during an average car trip. That concludes the first part of our bookie, The Strengths of Growing Cities. The first strength of any given city is its economic strength which brings prosperity to our lives. The second is its social strength which offers the poor the opportunity to escape poverty. And the third strength of any city is its environmental strength, which means intensive urban spaces are more energy-efficient and eco-friendly. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.